Hello, and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, the show where we interview real-life superheroes. My name is Ace, and I'll be your host. My next guest hails all the way from the Poconos in BFE, Pennsylvania. He's a serial entrepreneur who is not only innovating, but on the cutting edge of the coaching, marketing, exterior landscaping, and experience-based sectors of business. He is an amazing husband to his incredible wife and a loving father to his two remarkable sons. This man is a fellow podcaster, a coach, a business owner, and a ninja warrior. He is also my Bia, my brother-in-arms, and he will forever be my ride or die. Please give a warm welcome to the most dangerous man in the room, Joshua, the ultimate warrior Gillo. Joshua, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you, sir, man. I feel like I should be coming through like the, the ropes into the ring, man. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's right. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure, man. Uh, Joshua can be found on Instagram at Joshua Gillo or on TikTok at yes underscore express. He is also the host of Outer Spaces, a widely popular podcast that you can find anywhere you download or stream podcasts. As always, before we get into the story behind the incredible transformation of normal, everyday Josh to the superhero Joshua, or better known as the ultimate warrior, I want to ask you this one very important question. How you doing? <laughs> man, I couldn't be better. I could not be better, man. L- life is incredible. Everyday new challenges, new struggles that become new victories. So I really, I could not be happier. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I'm really excited to have you on this podcast. Before we get into it, I know I keep saying that, but I just want to let our audience know that Joshua is pretty much the reason why I started to do this podcast. He inspired me. He influenced me. And I am just so grateful and humbled that I am able to have you on this show and that I get to uh, essentially put you in the roasting seat and uh, see what happens. Man, I appreciate it. I'm so damn proud of you for taking the leap and changing the world with your gifts, brother. God gave you some amazing gifts and it's time to spread them and, and make that sunshine. So I'm here in any way I can help. I appreciate it, man. Well, Hey man, a monkey can sit in this seat and throw questions out. I'm just a conduit of information. So, um, so real quick, let's uh, let's get into this. First question: Where were you born and raised? Let's see. Uh, we can start back there for sure. I was born and raised in Easton, Pennsylvania, a little uh, town next to the Delaware River, uh, about as east of or yeah, as far as east you can get in Pennsylvania before you end up in New Jersey. So we could throw a rock and hit it. That's how close we were. So grew up there um, as a child. You know, my father was a meat cutter. My mother was a homemaker. And um, yeah, my mother decided to start a garden center when I was around five years old because she loved raising plants. And she did that, rotted out the windowsill of the house. My dad's like, it's time we build you a greenhouse. So he took an old Quonson hut that he found on a farm somewhere and put it together and put plastic over it and made her a greenhouse. And pretty soon she had more plants than she knew what to do with. So she started selling them. And that's how I started my business journey was through my, my mother's hobby. Um, grew that garden center up from that little Quonson hut to over 12 commercial greenhouses and serve the public. They're still serving the public almost 40 years later now. Um, so we got to grow. My brother was about 18 months younger than me. He got to uh, be part of it as well. And we grew up in a business where we never got paid. We worked seven days a week. We went to school, we slept, we ate, and that's what it was. That was life, right? My grandparents, we were blessed to have them living directly behind us. So we can go up and see them. We didn't have to drive anywhere. So it was, it was really nice. Um, I didn't know any different. You know, we'd work on in the summers as we got older to, um, uh, to make some money, I'd make $20 a day bailing hay, busting my ass up there in a 110 degree mouth, you know, moving the bales in and all that for a 20 spot. And I'd be like, this is great. Now I'm going to take that money. I'm going to invest it in my RC car. <laughs> so that's where it went, right? So well, wise yeah. decisions back then. And uh, yeah, it kind of grew from there. And eventually my brother and father and I decided to start a landscaping company because we had a lot of you know, customers coming in the garden center asking, say, hey, your boys are getting older. I think they'd want to do some work around my house. And we're like, yeah, what the hell? And they actually will pay us. This is amazing. Like, you know, we, we worked for no pay, so we had everything we needed, of course, but we had food and great conversation, but, um, it was nice to have somebody paying us. And I'll, I'll never forget the first time that we made a thousand dollars in a day. I was like, holy crap, thousand dollars in one day. I'm, wait, there's seven days in a week. This is amazing. So yeah. we started, uh, we started the business doing, you know, not just making thousand dollars a day, but adding value and all that and learning how to run a business and 
my father taught me in a garden center, how to translate that into a service business like that. And yeah, and grew that for 15 years and uh, had a great time doing it. Learned so much in the field. I, I learned best in the streets. Usually get my face pounded a few times in order to, to learn. And that's how it sticks for me. Uh, and after 15 years, decided to get more focused and went from design build work into design manage. So now we manage all of our outdoor living projects as one of our ventures and been building that now for about 12 years. So that's been my journey as far as the, you know, the outdoor living landscape side. And in yeah. that I've, I've grown a lot, learned a lot and realized that the man that started that business back when he was 17, 18 years old could not be the same man that could run businesses as he does now that he had to grow. And that was a painful lesson to learn, but, uh, I did learn it right. And eventually it becomes now the, uh, the focus of all of my endeavors is to, to keep growing and help others as well. So yeah, uh, that's the short and, story. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, man. That, that is a, a pretty encompassing, uh, background on you. Uh, no, I just, uh, it's, I, I know you personally. So for me to hear something like this, uh, and actually see, uh, the man you are today, it's pretty inspiring, uh, to know the, um, well, I guess the background of where you came from it, from what you had mentioned, it sounds like, uh, you grew up in some pretty, uh, I would say pretty humble, uh, upbringing. Is that correct? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. We, my father worked as a meat cutter and, um, on the nights and weekends, he had a slaughterhouse at our, our, our house farm area and we would process animals, right? So that's what we do an extra need pay, you know, farmers would pay cash for that. So that was, you know, that was how they supported a lot of this stuff until the other garden center started growing and all of that. But until he eventually transitioned out of that, um, out of being a meat cutter into being, uh, you know, a partner with my mother in the business and growing that with her. Uh, it was a big leap for him to take. And he was the first in his family, first in his entire generation and generations back that were business owners, my mother the same way. So they yeah. were pioneers in the, their day to take that kind of a rate. Everyone else before that was all, uh, they were all nine to five employees. So they were the ones thinking like, we can do this. So yeah. uh, did they do everything perfectly? No, but did they you know, learn and teach uh, the best lessons in life? 100%. So yeah. it's incredible. Now, in your story, you didn't mention anything about college or school or anything like that. Did you go to college? I went to a trade school for architectural drafting and mechanical engineering as a backup. It was my mother's idea. She's like, hey, Josh, you know, actually Josh back then. So Josh, you know, um, in case this whole landscaping thing doesn't work out, what if you went to school and, and learned a little bit about uh, architectural drafting? You love to design things. And I'm like, Ma, I'm not like a college person. That's not my thing. And she's like, well, they have this, this, uh, deal where if you take this test and you do really well, they'll give you a free ride. And I'm like, all right, what the hell? I'll give it a shot. I got one shot, right? I didn't get it. I'm not all that bright that way. So, uh, but I ended up falling in love with the idea of having a backup and saying, you know, get around people that are of like minds and all that. So that was about a two year program. So I did get, I got, did go through that. I did get the degree technically there, but it, it was right. not in my field. It was just for the, the idea of, of having that as a backup. And I laugh and tell, you know, many of my clients and students and all that. I'm like, look, I don't have a degree in what I teach, right? I just have the, the school of hard knocks and learning in the streets to, to offer those experiences as opposed to shit you can find in a book. Anybody can read that, but to put it into action, that's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Cause, uh, tr trust me, I, I have multiple degrees, engineering, all of that. I have the pedigree. But here I am on a podcast. I wrote a book. I'm on social media, and I could be as far from it as possible. I think the important thing about anything we do in life, whether it's getting a degree or uh, doing anything to further ourselves or better ourselves, it's really taking those universal lessons that you can learn from whatever it is. Just because you're not using your degree specifically doesn't mean. Uh, there's not a lot of things that you learn and grow from as you put those things together. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with a safety net. I think you and I grew up in a time where our parents, my parents were also blue collar workers, hard workers. They weren't entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. but, um, they instilled in me just a very strong work ethic and it doesn't hurt to have a backup plan or things like that. It doesn't mean live comfortably live safe. But at the same time, I took everything that I learned from engineering, from all those things, and I apply it to anything I do t 
today, even if it's not directly related, but I don't feel like I've wasted any time. And it doesn't sound like that was a waste of your time either. No, I would agree. It was a great learning experience. Whether I take the actual fundamental things that I've learned and still hand draft and all that, I, I don't. Um, but I've taken a lot of the lessons learned to your point and move them forward because they're life lessons, not just architectural or whatever lessons. Like, uh, there's just so much in there about being focused about, you know, making sure you're getting your work done on time, see what kind of grind you got in you, that kind of thing. Uh, cause the, I'll be honest with you throughout that, that two years, you know, I'm, I'm fiercely independent and going to a school after just getting out of high school, I couldn't wait to get out of high school in my Oh man, I, I remember so many adults told me, not my family, but <clears throat> so many adults told me, dude, when you get out of high school, you're going to wish you were back there. Hey, Reliving there's never the been days. one day in my <laughs> life that I was wish I was back in high school. That was a prison to me. Yeah. You know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm free minded. I don't like boxes, man. I bust boxes open and this place was just a box of boxes. So when I went to, to you know, trade school, I was like, all right, well, this is going to be different. And I'd started doing it that way. In the beginning, I was all focused and I kind of lost my focus. And then by the end, I was there insane amount of time because I had a major project to finish and I wanted to crush it. Right. And I remember, I remember when my, my professor said to me, you've got 20 minutes to, to do a presentation on your final project. And I'm like, I don't know if I can make 20 minutes of conversation about this project. And I'll never forget it, Ace, at the, as we're going through my, and they, they said, look, you can actually, you can select which of the um, professors you want to do your, you know, whatever you want to call that, your, your, your evaluation. And I said, okay, cool. I want the two hardest ones the two that I know are going to grind my stones. Mm -hmm. And I don't, back then it was just how I was and just like I am now. I'm like, I want the hardest way to do it because I, I learned the most about myself that way. So they said, you got 20 minutes. I sat down and started having a conversation with them and they're like, they're looking at their watch. I'm like, crap, I probably didn't make it. And they're like, it's 30 minutes. You're good. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I was so worried not being able to fill it out and not be able to have enough to say. And I was so nervous about that. And then I crushed it and I was like, huh, I actually did really well. And I was happy because I felt like I earned my grade. There were other kids in there that were saying, or students that were like, I want to have the, the easiest one so I can get the best grade. I, said, I don't care about the grade. I want the honest feedback. Yeah. And that's, that's how I've lived my entire life now when it comes through things. I don't want the easy path. I want the hardest path because that's where I'm found. That's where I find the best versions. Yeah. No, that's definitely a, uh, a I think a, a blue collar upbringing definitely brings that, that work ethic. Mm. You know, work hard for what you have. Work hard for what you want. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on, so obviously I call you Joshua. You had mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, um, your mom calling you Josh and, um, I know a lot about you, so I'm, uh, I'm not going to make any assumptions for my audience, but tell me the story behind going from Josh. Cause that's what people called you when you grew mm -hmm. up. Correct. Correct. Okay. Was there a time in your life that, or an event that you changed your name. I know Joshua is your, your given name, your birth name, but I guess what I'm asking is just, can you walk us through the transformation from Josh to Joshua? Oh, I gladly do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a child, like I said, I had a brother, great parents, amazing human beings. Uh, everything was, was good. I don't have a big sob story. Thank goodness. Um, I have a very blessed life. And, uh, but what I did realize is that I was, uh, I had a lot of, I guess you call it some anxiety. I had a lot of, of self-doubt, no confidence, you know, mm -hmm. that I grew up with that. And it was in, I don't know whether it was my upbringing, a sense like my, my, my family unit or whether it was something else. But anyway, throughout school, I was a fly in the wall. I kept my, my mouth quiet. I just did what I had to do. Like I said, it wasn't my place to be. And I was in the marching band because my mom was excited about. So I was a pleaser. She said, Oh, I'd love for you to play an instrument. I'm like, I don't really play. Okay, mom, I'll play an instrument. Pretty soon it's it's through high school, marching band, all that stuff. So I was the really cool kid, right? And <laughs> in that time, I actually got the nickname Stick because I was always very skinny, scrawny, more likely. You know, I couldn't put weight on myself if I tried. I don't care what I ate right. or did, it just didn't work. I was the, I have the opposite problem most people do, right? So yeah. I but that's not a great nickname to have when you're trying to find a girlfriend, you know, when you become, you know, pubescent, if you will, how chase, chasing women they become interesting and you've got this nickname stick. So it, that really it weighed on me, dude. It weighed on me a lot. And you know, my mother always called me Josh. And if she called me Joshua, I knew I was in trouble. So anyway, so um so yeah, so through school, it was always Josh, whatever was easiest, because I wanted to be the least, you know, the least visible, like Josh, just whatever, just don't call me late. Just call me Josh is fine. 
And I did that for most of my life. I downplayed who I was. And when I did that over and over and over again, I didn't realize the psychological damage that was happening when I was doing that. Mm -hmm. And then I started to, it was around the age 35 or so, I started to realize that I was selling myself short, right? I started to realize that, you know, people are treating you in the way they're treating you because you're allowing them to. And it's because you don't have any self-worth. And I, I don't know that I had those words then, but I could feel that if I had to put a, a word to the feeling. And right. funny enough, my, it just, God is funny that way. Uh, my oldest comes back from a birthday party and it's a Ninja Warrior birthday party. And, and uh, the next thing you know, he's like, dad, he calls me Papa. So Papa, um, I just came back from this, this party. And I think that you'd really enjoy what I, when I, you know, what I was doing. I was like, what are you doing? He's like Ninja Warrior stuff. And I'm like, all right, I've kind of seen the show a little bit. I'm like, right. But right. in my mind, my saboteur says, dude, you work and get paid to sweat. You don't pay to sweat. That doesn't, doesn't compute. Nobody in my family went to the gym. That was not a thing. Like that's what yuppies did, right? They went to the gym because they didn't have an actual job that they sweated at. I worked every day outside, so I didn't need to do that kind of stuff. But at that point in my life, I started questioning and I started thinking like, okay, what if? Okay, whatever. Well, I said, you know what? I'm going to switch it up. I need to do something. I'm actually having, and, and I didn't really tell many people about this, but when I would wake up off the couch at night, if my wife was watching TV and I'd walk upstairs, I would be winded. At the top of 11 oh, wow. steps, I would be winded. Yeah. And I looked at myself and I said, you know, Josh, that's not good. Your great grandfather died of a heart attack at 70. Your grandfather died of a heart attack at 68. This is not something that's going to be part of your journey you cannot be winded at 35 going up a set of steps. Right. And it, it's been that way for years. I never really pay attention to it, but these two things connected. And I said, all right, well, if that's the case, and he had said, let's go. I said, all right, it's a free first time at the, the, the gym. I live in the middle of nowhere. You said BFE, you're exactly right. Like in the middle of nowhere, you've been to my house. So you're right. So, but there happens to be a ninja gym just down the street, one, not even a mile away. Right. And so I went, all right, let's go down and try it out. So I tried it out and uh, fell in love with it immediately. I'm like, this is amazing. You know, I thought I'd be better. It took me a lot longer than I expected to get better, but didn't matter. I, like I saw progress. And then there was a team, there was a tribe there. It was amazing. Like, and I met some, some amazing human beings that are still part of my life today. And then when I started training for a while, my, my coach is like, Matt says, you know what? You should, you should compete. And I'm like, Matt, I don't compete like this. Is not my thing. Like, I, right. You know, I do, I, I, I've done marching band. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't compete. I'm not a sports guy yeah. anyway. So I, I said, you know what? screw it. Let's go it. Right. So we went to this place called Brooklyn zoo in, uh, in Brooklyn, New York. And I thought we were actually going to the zoo. I'm like, what are they going to do? Chase the monkeys out of the bar, out of the place. And yeah, we're going right. to like swing from the bars. Like I had no idea how this worked. So I got there and here it's an old, uh, like rundown warehouse and they just put a gym in it. And it was like 110 degrees that day. And they had no air conditioning, big fans running. And I get in there. I'm nervous as hell, dude. I go in there thinking like I need all of this energy and all this focus. So I'm getting those Starbucks uh, espresso drinks mm -hmm. and I'm pounding these things, right? My heart's pounding out of my chest. My energy is at like rocket levels, all, you know, uh, not natural. Let's put it that way. Right. So this right. has all been hopped up and I get there and I'm like, I am ready. So I'm getting on the starting platform and going. And by the third obstacle, I totally blew off because there's a lot of rules with Ninja Warriors, not just, you know, beasts through it. It's mm -hmm. there's a lot of rules and I'm blowing through this thing. And, and the, uh, the ref's like, dude, stop. I'm like, what? He goes, you didn't listen to anything I said. You can't do what you just did. And I'm like, crap. So, and I, I was completely, it's like an out of body experience. I was not connected because I was so jacked on caffeine at that point. So anyway, I'm not going to go so deep into this stuff. We'll be here all day. But the point is that um, through Ninja Warrior, I learned that I had to start focusing. And I read a book called um, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize that it was so much more about being present. So I started transitioning. I got rid of all the caffeine, all that kind of stuff out of it. And I just started focusing on eating like vegetables before I went on. I saw a lot of the under ninjas doing that. And I started doing it. All of a sudden, I became present to the point where if somebody said, hey, no, no, because the, the, the community is just so beautiful. They always try to help you through the courses, meaning like verbally, like grab it with your left hand, not your right hand. I never heard that before until I became present. Then I could finally hear them. And mm -hmm. I'll never forget when my coach is like, grab it with your left hand. And I'm like, Matt, it's my right hand. <laughs> I was just right, so present right, that it, yeah. it didn't matter, but I just moved right through it. So anyway, that's, that was the journey, right? So I started through Ninja Warrior and then eventually was blessed to travel around the country competing and uh, I got the Guan set and got to test the obstacles before the ninjas ran. And it was just, it was just so much fun. I really enjoyed that time of my life. 
And it taught me so much about discipline, about the fact that stick could actually put some meat on his bones. And I started to be really proud of myself when I started looking in the mirror. I'm like, damn, like you're looking good, right? So right. I had to build that inside myself, the, the confidence side of it, right? And that happened by me constantly setting goals and setting expectations and following through on the promises like that I made to myself. Yeah. Going to the gym, God, I'm going to beat that peg monster. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And eventually showing yourselves that it's possible. And that's what, that's where the transition started to happen for me. And then it started to go into my family life. I started to show up as a better father, as a better husband. I was more present with my family. And then from there, it extrapolated into other business ventures and my team and all of that kind of stuff. So all of those, those teachings all then just blossom into this amazing life. And that's where Joshua was born because I'm like, Josh, he waits for someone to call him. Josh, he's the kind of guy that'll take anything someone gives him. He's a pleaser. He's a yes man. Joshua was not. Joshua was in control of his life. Joshua says yes and no to whatever he wants to do. Joshua sets his mind to something and crushes it. That's the difference. So it might sound like some kind of like mental thing. <laughs> it is a mental thing. I see myself as a completely different human being. And then going through UM with you, and you know, uh, and earning the title of Ultimate Warrior, that has played into my life as well. That keeps playing it out. That takes Joshua to another level. And that is just keeps skyrocketing all the different things that I'm doing in life. And I'm, I'm just so proud and pleased of everyone that's helped me through because it's been just tons of coaches and mentors. And, and it's not just me. It's so many people along the way that have helped. So that's the longest way I could possibly think of saying that. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I really appreciate you sharing that story. It's just so powerful um, what one thing can do. And then there's just that domino effect. Um, you know, a lot of times David Goggins talks about, talks about it uh, using our bodies to push ourselves mentally. And um, not only does exercise get things like adrenaline, dopamine gets all these good neuro neurochemicals to give you energy to give you motivation people i don't think always understand they think of dopamine as something where it's like pleasure like i get a i get a dopamine hit from a like on facebook and stuff like that yeah. but dopamine really is a motivator and when you exercise yes you get all this great energy but there's a release of dopamine that for the next three four or five hours you're just motivated to keep moving and keep moving um and with the adrenaline that you get from that, it's no wonder that things started translating into other parts of your life. Not only were you looking better, feeling better, but now you had the drive and the motivation to work on your businesses, to work on your family life and all those other things. And now you start compounding those. But I think what's important too in all of this is you didn't just go to Ninja Warrior once. You didn't go to the gym a couple times a week or a couple times a month. Like I'm making an assumption here, but it sounds like you made it a, a very consistent thing. Like you had, um, whether you call it a habit or a ritual of going to this gym. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about uh, repetition and how important that was to you uh, in this path of growth and change? Absolutely, dude. It is the core competency in, in any change in life. And that's something I learned along the ninja path. Because when I started going there, they only had Monday and Friday classes, right? So I said, all right, I'll just commit to Friday. And then it was a Friday here and there. And it didn't, you know, nothing really happened. I didn't see the results. And then I said, I wonder what happens when I go every week, twice a week. And I started to do that. And I started seeing the results faster. And I started thinking, wait a minute here. What if this is like this in life too, right? And then we start doing competitions and I have a bigger why pushing me forward because I want to be making sure that I'm, I'm doing the best I can at these things. So that, that, that repetition, not just physically helped because obviously doing the reps helps, but it mentally started to prepare me that every Monday and Friday night, my time is taken between seven and nine. I'm with my boys, I'm training. And I never did that in my life ever until I was 35 years old. So that's the craziest part for me. Yeah. And then when I started thinking, okay, well, if that's the case, you know, I started to realize longer out, I'm 43, almost 44 now. Um, I started to realize that I needed more discipline in my life. I needed rituals. I needed things that I do every day, especially because I don't want to. Not the ones that I want to. Like everybody wants to get up, they want to eat breakfast, they want to sit in their comfy car and, and drink their comfy, you know, their warm coffee and drive in a the perfectly no traffic environment and get to work and just have no stress all day. Like that's bullshit. Right. That's not going to give you a life you want. That's going to make you, uh, you know, not very happy. So 
starting off each day with something or a group of things, rituals that I know I don't have to do, but I do because I know they're going to benefit me long-term. Ace, you know, my, my target, my life goal is to live well past hundred and to be climbing mountains when I'm 80. And I'm not going to do that if I wait till I'm 79 and a half to get the fuck off the couch. That's not going to happen. Right. I got to do that now. I already know what the, the, you know, the potential is for heart attacks in my family. And I'm like, I am not going to be a statistic. I need to make that the strongest muscle in my body. So that's why one of my rituals is running. I run five days a week, right? So I get out there and I run. They're not gigantic distances. I run a marathon already. I run all different kinds of stuff. But the point is, that's not my goal. My goal is, is consistently keeping those muscles strong. And in that, I then get all the dopamine you're talking about and the adrenaline. You know, I get back from a run. I take a cold shower, which is another one of those things that neither of those things I like. I don't like to run and I don't like cold water. I've never liked that stuff. Right. And right. every single day, I don't have to convince myself. I already know I'm going to do it because I've made that promise to myself. Yeah. And then tons of other rituals as well that I've baked in. But what I've made, what I've made it, the way I've made it this far, years and years and years of rituals is because I make them stupid small. My commitment to those rituals are stupid small. If I say, I'm going to read an hour a day and I'm going to run 10 miles and I am going to uh, spend 60 minutes in a cold shower every day, how long do you think that's going to last days? Right. Yeah. Life's going to get in the way, right? Life's going to get in the way. And oh, then all yeah. of a sudden you're like, yeah, that wasn't for me anyway. But when you commit to running a half a mile a day or walking, it's a choice, running or walking half a mile a day, reading one page, jumping in the cold shower and rinsing off, getting back out. You can do that in maybe 10 minutes max. Right. So there's no excuses anymore. So making micro rituals and making sure that you do them as often as you set your schedule for. So for me, it's five days a week and two days in the weekend. I do a ton of other stuff, but they aren't my ritual days. My ritual days are five days a week. Right. And I do them over and over and over again. And mostly because I don't want to do them. That's where the power is. And I know that sounds completely backwards for people listening. They're thinking like, oh my God, like why would you do stuff you don't want to do? Because I've learned something along the way. If you're willing to do the stuff that sucks now, your life is going to be easier later. But if you want the easy life now, your life is going to suck later. So I'll take the pain while I still got the power so that maybe if it does get easier, and I don't care if it does or doesn't, but if it does get easier, at least I'm prepared for everything I need to do now. So that's the case then. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting. What you're talking about reminds me of uh, just like super performers, like athlete, specifically like Olympic athletes. There's nothing crazier than the Olympics. You don't even have to like gymnastics or figure skating or any of that. And you probably won't watch it. But when the Olympics are on people, their eyes are glued to the screen. And there's just something about people that dedicate their lives. Like there's certain sports where in like the winter Olympics, where you go down a slope and you hit a big jump and you just, you know, twirl around a whole bunch. And that was your life from probably three, four years old up till 16, 17, 18, how old, uh, however old these people are and your life was dedicated to do that one move or mm -hmm. obviously get up to be able to do that, that move. But it's so crazy how people can dedicate their lives to things that are so specific. And when, um, when I look at the research of, of how these people train and what they do, it's just like you said, it's repetition, it's consistent. Um, but how do they keep themselves motivated? Right. You would mm -hmm. think, that doing the same motion over and over and over again. And you had mentioned that um, you don't like to do these rituals. And I'm, I'm with you. I run, how many times? I run five times a week as well. I do take cold showers. Um, and for me, I, I don't enjoy cold showers. Like obviously the water is freezing and it doesn't feel great on your body, but you feel amazing afterwards. And going to the gym, it hurts. You know, I lift a, a lot. Uh, so in a roundabout way, a long story short, these super performers are giving themselves rewards. It's not rewards at the Olympics. That's, there's many, many steps, right? Each, each marathon starts with one step. And for a lot of these high performers, figuring out how to reward themselves, like you said, spend 30 seconds in a cold shower, read one page. Well, you need to celebrate that because everybody starts somewhere. Not everybody starts in the same place. And 
if we're celebrating these small victories, well, one that doesn't build it up to this big, most of the time letdown, right? Because once you hit a goal, it's usually not as exciting as the steps that it took to get to that goal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't usually change your life. You're, um, we're not going to jump into this, but you're you're financially free. Your mm-hmm. passive income is greater than your expenses. Well, when you became financially free, did you feel any different? No, I'm a little bit more free of mind, but other than that, yeah, I did feel a bit of a shift, a shift in my focus. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was, it was quite a, it was quite a ride, but we got there and got there in good time. I want to go back quick to what you were just mentioning about, you know, that those micro rituals and being consistent with them. Now, the reason why I set them so small, again, micro rituals, the reason why I set them so small is so you can do them. So the hardest part that I struggle with, and I know most struggle with is just putting on your running shoes just sitting down to read, just getting ready to jump in that cold shower. It's, it's, it's the preparation where our saboteurs come out and tell us every single reason why we should not do it. Now, I want to interrupt you real quick. You've mentioned mm-hmm. saboteurs a couple times, just mm-hmm. so the audience knows. Uh, a saboteur, uh, there's a book called The Positive Intelligence. It talks mm-hmm. about sages and saboteurs. Saboteurs are essentially like, Think of it like the devil and the angel on your shoulders. Saboteurs would be the devil. Sages would be the angels. So I just wanted to clarify Perfect. that real quick. So Thank sorry you. for interrupting. No, 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 no problem at all. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's lacing up those shoes. It's committing, right? So that's why we commit to very small things. Because I know so many times I put my running shoes on and I said, I committed to a half a mile and I'll run 10 miles. And next thing you know, I'll say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to one page in a book. And I say, okay, I sit down and the next, you know, it's 30 minutes later because I'm really hooked on this book. So it's, it's committing to the starting of it. And that's, that's where most people get stuck. That's where I got stuck for most of my life because I, I would commit to something so big that it seemed like it'd be impossible to get this thing to work out. And it, it would be if I focused on that. But another thing that I wanted to talk about was the focusing on the pain. You know, any, any performance mm-hmm. athlete, anybody in, in sports or even Ace, when, when you and I climbed Grays and Torrey's peaks, 14,000 foot peaks in Colorado together in June, man, I'll, I'll, I, I saw the pictures on my wall. I freaking, I, we had a blast with snow and snowshoes and it just, it was amazing, amazing time. Um, but through that, right, when things get tough and you start feeling those, those muscles burning like crazy, you know, you could say, okay, try to avoid the pain because that's what your mind, your amygdala kicks in and says, don't do that. Don't do that. You might get hurt, right? Or you can go in and rewire it. And I remember that trip for me was one that I rewired that as the Mm -hmm. pain was coming in and the nausea and that kind of stuff was coming through. I'm like, the pleasure is in the pain. The pain is the growth. More pain, please. More pain, please. More pain, please. Right? And not to the point you're going to break an arm, but when you're coming through, you know you can do it. Goggins says it best. You're only at 40% when you're ready to give up. You got 60% left in that tank. Yeah. So I'm sitting here thinking, all right, get focused on the, the pleasure. This is pleasure in the pain. This is what I'm, this is the goal of this entire thing was to get to this point, to this pain. But, but to rewire that, I had to just keep running that in my head as we were taking what, eight, 10 steps and stopping, eight, 10 steps and stopping because there's such thin air up there. You can barely breathe even in our condition, yeah. as athletic as we are, it's, it's a struggle. But that's yeah. the beautiful part about the whole thing is you get to, you get to meet that version of you. And then you can finally say hi to the real you as opposed to the one that you're putting on a facade for for the rest of your friends or you're trying to fit in somewhere. It's like, this is the real carnal you. Yeah. How you doing? Well, it's, How it's, are we going to move? Yeah, you strip, you strip away a lot of that ego when you're in that kind of position. Um, I would tell myself when we were doing that hike, I was just like, kept telling myself, just keep pushing one step at a time. But I'd also mm-hmm. tell myself, embrace the suck. This isn't supposed to be pleasurable. This isn't supposed to be comfortable. But like you said, rewiring your brain to push yourself to embrace it because there's going to be great times in our life and there's going to be down times in our life too. It's nothing is permanent. The best thing that can happen to you in the world isn't going to last forever. The worst thing that's going to happen to you in the world isn't going to last forever. But being when I was there doing that hike, I never felt more alive. And mm-hmm. I told myself, you know what, if I f- fall down this hill or slip or hurt myself or end up killing myself, like I can be proud that I did it living rather than, I don't know, just God, I'm kind of at a loss for words right now. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, it's just it's it's just something about pushing yourself and getting to that point where you push your own boundaries. Uh, it's it's like running into a brick wall, and you just keep running into it until you finally break through it. And once you start making small breakthroughs like that, it's just incredible what you can do, how you can change your life, and not only change your life, it's ultimately going to be changing the lives of people around you, everybody you come in contact with. Um, you, you talked about earlier, people treat you the way that, um, that you allow them to treat you. Well, Mm -hmm. when you went from being Josh or stick to Joshua and the ultimate warrior, um, have people been interacting with you differently? Have you noticed differences, things like that? Uh, when you are that Joshua person, Hundred percent. Yeah. It's, 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 it's day and night difference, you know, to the point where my wife and I, we've always had a great relationship. She's an amazing human being. I love her to death. And she loved me for Josh. She married me as Josh, but now she admires me as Joshua. I can see the difference in her eyes. Yeah. She looks up to me. She, and I'm not just saying that for some ego play here. I mean, I can feel it. I can see it. I can, all of those things. And that, that alone right there is enough you know, capture enough of, um, uh, you know, evidence, if you will, of it. Uh, we did this exercise, didn't we in Dallas, uh, Ace, when we walked through Dallas and, and I was like, watch this, you put your chest out, you put your energy high and you walk through and people move out of your way and not to be a dick about it, you know, walking through the airport, but we're like, just move, you move with purpose and the people with lesser energy, they move away. You're like a rock in a stream, but you're moving and everything moves around you. And it, how far did we walk where people just moved away from us because we just walked with purpose except right. for the kids. <laughs> the kids didn't listen, but the adult um, did. <laughs> hey, well, that's the thing about kids and such a wonderful thing is yeah. like they are so confident in themselves and who they are. Yeah, yeah. I remember that we were walking through, people were walking around us and the only people we had to walk around were the children. <laughs> yeah, they're like, dude, seriously, I got this. You know, yeah. I have this philosophy of that's called the hourglass where I believe that people are born and they're authentic. Right, completely authentic. Like you know, you see a child, they'll they'll scream, they'll pick their nose, they'll do whatever they want to do whenever they want. They don't care. And then 12, 14, 16, you start to get this this kind of uh, I guess like the hourglass starts to thick, let's thin in the middle, right? It starts to pull in. And that's when people start to they start to realize they have to become a certain way so other people accept them in the tribe, right? As humans, we want right. to be part of a tribe. So they start to right. change who they are, augment it, put it away, hide it, so that they can fit in. And then at a certain point, hopefully. By 40, 50, 60, they just start saying, screw it. I want to be me again, right? So there's that wide open authenticity, the throttling of it, and then the wide open toward the end again, right? That's the typical run. Uh, Or some people they go through, once that they go from the wide open to the throttle, they're always in that throttle. They're never able to get back out to authenticity. And then they wonder why they're so depressed and upset. So my philosophy is, why not? And I'm not perfect at this, but I have two boys that I can that I can help model this. I'm like, why not just keep it a straight line, like a straight rectangle, if you will, straight down. There's no there's no throttling in the middle. You don't right. have to become something to make someone else feel good. You just be you, yeah. and that's it, right? And that's more than enough. You were born enough in the beginning. So that's, that's right. the thing that I had to manage because I was such a yes person and I was such a pleaser. I would do anything, especially in business. Like I never want a client to be mad at me. I'd always want whatever, even if I got to lose money or I got to lose face or I lose my own confidence, I don't care. There's no cost that's too high to make sure you're happy. Yeah. And once I realized and, and I, I learned how to say no, everything changed. Everything awesome, changed. Man. That's awesome. Yeah. I really love that analogy of an hourglass. Um, it's so true. Um, I, I definitely fell victim or made myself the victim of that as well. And, um, yeah, that's just, I'd love metaphors like that. It's just so powerful. Uh, real quick, just for our listeners, if you want to know more about Joshua, you can find him on Instagram at Joshua Gillow or on TikTok at yes, underscore express. And, Check out his podcast, Outer Spaces. You can find it anywhere podcasts are streamed or downloaded. Uh, I know we haven't talked about Outer Spaces. I'm guessing it's something to do with exterior landscaping meets science fiction. (laughs) No, I'm joking. Um, But um, hey, I want to ask you, since this is a superhero podcast, I want to ask you, what are your superpowers? Oh, good question. So my superpowers are... 
I've always felt that I've had this, and especially now more coming into to my more authentic, authentical role. I'm going to make that word up. <laughs> Sorry, right. um, you can make up words. It's yeah, all I know. I, it, I have my own dictionary. Anyway, um, and so it's been, I have the ability to look into people and see what the true essence of them are, even if their shell, their actions, their ways are, are um, different. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm not perfect at it. I'm not, but I've, I've have business partners. I have friends that are really have a hard shell on the outside that most people would consider abrasive or whatever, but I can see through, I have clients that most would walk away from, but I see through that bravado or whatever, and I see the human behind it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's something that I've, I've been very blessed with throughout life. And, and also trying to see that I always see the best in every, I feel it's a superpower. I'm a, I'm a born optimist. Right. So I, I always see the positive, like, you, you know, when it comes to two different ways to look at it, you know, a person with problems can see a problem in every solution. And I'm the kind of person that sees a solution for every problem. Right. So it, it's a matter of just flipping that script and saying, look, there's always a solution. There's always a solution. Let's just get the teams together. Let's put our heads together. We're smart. We're already more than enough. Let's just get it done. Right. So to be able to do that. So if it comes to superpowers, that was what it'd be. And if we had to go for a third one, for sure, it would be to uh, I'd love, love, love helping people discover their true potential, right? That's really something mm-hmm. that is deep in my heart because growing up as Josh, you know what I mean? I never really realized it was possible. And then all of a sudden I found a way, I, I, I discovered how to do it for me and I want to help others do it too because I don't want people to live the 35 years that I had to live inside of my own head and all the vices that I had in order to manage all of that shit. And then all of a sudden learn that it was never necessary. So why not start? And I love when there's young people that are, you know, that around me that are like, oh, tell me how you did it. I'm like, dude, you're 20 years old and you know, now I can help you get somewhere so you don't got to waste another 15 to realize around 40, that's when you start asking the bigger questions, right? Then you start saying, all right, now it's time to start trying to figure this thing we call life out. Why not start young? Why why not get that hourglass as rectangular as possible and not so throttled? Right, right. No, that's so powerful, man. Um, And that you've touched on something that's so important is what you when you grow when you gain knowledge it's not for yourself like it's important to lead yourself and to grow but the best part of learning and growing and and knowing different is being able to share that with other Mm -hmm. people to be able to not only inspire but teach and mentor um it's just it's such a powerful thing and uh, i know through your coaching uh, you do help a lot of uh, younger men and women discover who they are, discover their potential, and give them the tools that they need to discover that and and flourish. And it's it's an incredible thing to have that sort of gift and that sort of ability to look outside of yourself and um, put yourself to the side and say, okay, I'm going to I'm going to pour into you. And um, yeah, it's just just an incredible thing. Now, um, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, you're a serial entrepreneur. You have your hands in a lot of different things. Um, is there one venture currently or something coming up that you want to talk about that you're really proud of? Um, I'm going to just leave it open for you to talk about whatever it is you want to. Yeah, I mean, I, I do a lot of different things and I'm very blessed to have a lot of choices. And uh, the thing that lights me up the most and what I'm most excited about coming up in the future, um, you know, Yes Express is my passion project. That's where um, we help people in our industry learn how to communicate better with their clients so they can live a better life, that they can get paid with their worth. They don't have to be working for nothing. Uh, they can have clients that are grateful, like all this kind of stuff. So we, we teach them how to communicate better. So during that time, you know, what I've learned is, is with that being what I call my passion project, we've also tied a lot of mindset into that. And that's, that's what the number one shift was for me at 35. I didn't realize it back then, but that's really what shifted for me was how I looked at myself, what story ace that I told myself. And I realized that I would never be friends with the person that I keep talking, the way I talk to myself in my head, I would never be friends with somebody like that. And I'm like, wait a minute here. When I looked in the mirror, I was disgusted at what looked back because I knew my vices. I knew what I was and wasn't. I knew how I saw myself. You can't lie to yourself when you look yourself in a mirror. You just can't if you're being honest, right? So I said, you know what? Until I look in that mirror and I'm proud of who's looking back, I'm not stopping. 
and I'm going to figure that out as I go. So for me, Yes Express is a way that I can help others find that on that journey to get them where they need to go. And and we do it through experiential events. You know, we did the 14er this year. We took um, 10 beautiful people out and we climbed the 14,000 14 14, foot peaks in Colorado. And we did all kinds of other stuff to help them kind of be introduced to who they truly are and to put them in positions where they can see their saboteurs and they can grab those saboteurs and say, yeah, not today, buddy. I'm in charge. Because once you take control of that, man, there's nothing that can stop you. So we're planning our next event to the Grand Canyon here coming up in February. And, um, you know, the goal is to have another experience that and better uh, in a very different environment. So it's another new struggle to have to manage through. And the elevation change, dude, is actually more in the Grand Canyon than that 14,000 foot peak. Um, especially when we're going down first and then up when you're tired, where 14 or you're going up when you're still fresh and down when you're tired. So it's a completely different game. But uh, we're super excited about that. But that's really where most of my passions focused on right now is just impact and empowering human lives. And I'll do it in any and every way and every opportunity that comes up that gives me that and fulfills that why in my life. I'm all game. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I love those. Uh, I obviously have gone to immersion events like that and they are just so powerful because you get this dedicated time to really focus on growth, on tribe community, the people that are experiencing it with you. And, uh, if the leaders like yourself or whoever's leading it has been through that and can guide people through that in an effective way, um, you just come out of those events uh, just a transformed person. Yeah. And uh, like we said earlier, you you still need to do the daily discipline. You can come out of those like rah, 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 and then you come back to normal life. Um, and so I think it's important what we talked about with rituals and, and mm-hmm. daily discipline and all that to keep that momentum going. But to have uh, that kind of experience, there's nothing like it. There's not- nothing like it. Nothing. The first time, dude, I know we're running along here, but the first time I went into, and I, I signed up for a UPW, right? I unleashed the power within Tony Robbins' experiential event in Chicago back in 2018. The first time I walked in there and I got done with that event, I came out a completely different human being. I had never, ever, it's like I just got hit by a bus of love. Like it was just incredible. Yeah. And it knocked me way back to the point when I came home from that event after four days of immersive events, 16 hour days, fire walk, all that kind of stuff. Um, I came back and I just came into my wife's practice and I just grabbed her, gave her a big hug and a kiss and looked her in the eye and I turned around and walked out. And I, she was like, well, who is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like who possessed my husband? That's not who I usually is, but I became a purposeful man when I started to look inside. And the problem I had though, was when you're in those walls with 13,000 people and the energy levels through the roof and you're, everything's perfect. And then you get out and you get back to your couch, to your shoes, to your Mm. day-to-day grind, the things you got to do, that starts to ease away and starts to to slip away and slip away. And I said, man, if I could just bottle that energy and bottle that feeling, I could change billions of lives just by bottling that. How does Tony do it? And it's through the rituals. That's what I've learned. I've, I've, I've learned, and he has an entire priming session you can do. uh, It's a YouTube video as well, where you start visualizing your future. So setting these rituals up. I have a very distinct set of rituals. I do five days a week and that, that happens no matter what, when it comes to, you know, working and all that. So point is those rituals, the dopamine, the adrenaline that comes from those rituals, I've wired it to mean like little mini UPWs, right? Each day for myself and I'm stacking wins day after day and they accumulate like snow on the ground. You know, when the weatherman says you're going to get two foot of snow and it starts to snow a little bit and you're like, when is this ever going to get to two feet? It's going to take forever. And then six hours later, you look outside, it's getting a little dark and you look outside and you got six inches and you're like, I can't wait till I wake up tomorrow morning. What's it going to look like? And you wake up the next morning and it's two feet deep. Yeah. Like, wow. The whole world's changed. Same thing happens when you start to stack and accumulate your wins. That's why you need little ones every day. And pretty soon you'll have two feet of snow in your backyard, but you that's can't awesome. get there if you don't, if you aren't patient, if you aren't putting in the work and all that, that's the good, that's, that's the beautiful part about it all. They all stack and accumulate. Yeah, that's how you get that energy and can completely move it on into the future. That's right, man. Yeah, no, couldn't have been better said. That that's incredible, incredible, man. I really appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. So cool. Um, Anything else uh, going on that you want to mention or um, 
Anything else you want to talk about? I know I'm the host, so I should be asking you questions. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Open forum at the end, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, open discussion. No, um, one question I do have. Who are just one, or if you have a couple, uh, who would be your real life people you consider real life superheroes? Yeah, so I would absolutely have to say Tony Robbins for sure. Um, he helped me break a lot of crap out of my life and limiting mindset. You know, we talked about, you know, breaking through walls and all that. And I was a guy where when I'd hit a wall, I would try to break through it. But after working with, with him through UPW and all the other things I've done with them, um, you know, it's, it's like, no, I have a jackhammer now. Like I know how hard to hit that. You see, you know, those guys that do the, um, like the martial arts guys that they put a brick out and they just snap it with their hand. You're like, how do they do that? Like you just touch a brick hard and it hurts. Like, how do they do that? It's because it's focused energy. They focus on exactly what needs to be done. Now I feel like I can karate chop these different limiting beliefs in my head as they pop up. I can just karate chop and snap them in half instead of trying to go find a hammer and trying to do this or trying to hurt my hand, trying to break through that, that brick. I feel like now with these mental tools that I've developed uh, through repetition uh, and going to these experiential events that I'm now able to just snap through that brick as soon as they come up. But that's because here's the number one nugget that I'm going to drop on your listeners right now and how they can break out of where they are to where they want to go. And it's stupid simple. You're going to say, Josh, I already know that. It's about the promises that you keep. Okay. And it's not keeping promises to other people that is as important. I'll be there at three. Oh, big deal. I'll make sure I take care of that. That's not the big one. The big one, keeping the promises that you make to yourself. That is the number one ticket to getting you to unstoppable confidence is when you prove to yourself every day through those little wins, those accumulating wins that you're willing to do what it takes because you've promised it to yourself. That's when life will change for you. That's powerful, man. And that is so true. Once you start committing to yourself and being true to yourself, when nobody else is looking, that's when the shift starts to happen. 100%. Every single morning, dude, when you get in that cold water, as I do, you have the opportunity to put that thing hot and not another soul on this planet will know you went into a hot shower, but you will. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate our time here. I'm so happy that... uh that I got you here on the podcast. You have been a true inspiration to me. Uh, you have helped me in so many ways that I know you're not even aware of, but uh, I'm just so blessed and happy that God put you in my life and that we've been able to grow together, push each other, experience life together, do some amazing things that I never thought I would be doing. Even a year ago, I never thought I'd be hiking a 14er and there we did two, two in one day. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've done other crazy adventures since then. And I just can't be, uh, more happy and blessed, uh, for the opportunity to, to be a friend of yours. So, um, with that said, thank you once again for coming on to the show, uh, for our listeners, you can learn more about Joshua on Instagram at Joshua Gillow on TikTok at yes, underscore express. And definitely check out his podcast, Outer Spaces. Even if you're not in the exterior landscaping realm, he is such a just, a, I don't even know how to describe it. Just the knowledge that comes out of your mouth is just nugget after nugget after nugget. If you know nothing about exterior landscaping, it doesn't matter because you will grow and you will become a better person from listening to his podcast. I know because I listened to it and uh, you just do an amazing job. You're an amazing human being with an amazing family. And um, yeah, man, you are, once again, like I said earlier, you are my ride or die. So with that said, thank you everybody for listening. And I uh, can't wait till uh, I talk to you again. Have a great day. Thank you, Ace.